Good morning. It is indeed a delight to be with you for our guests and visitors. For those online, I am Pastor Mike Toomey. I'm one of your pastors here at Hope, and we are taking a look at the Ten Commandments. I'm going to be preaching on two of them today, so sit tight. It's going to be a long one. Hey, before I go too much further, those cards in your pews, those invite cards, that's really important because that's the heart and soul of one of the things that we do as Christian people. It's to invite people to know his love, to invite people to worship him. It's to invite people to know the promise of his resurrection. So go ahead, use those cards and invite those family, friends, coworkers, your neighbors to worship with us throughout the course of Holy Week. That's who we are. Before I go too much further, let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, help us to not covet. Help us to not have holy de- unholy desire for that which is not ours. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would move us from a place of coveting to a place of thanksgiving and praise, to a place where we can follow in the footsteps of Jesus, pointing to your love at work in the world. It's in his name we pray and all of God's people said. In the early 1980s, I had my heart set on an Atari 2600. It's a gaming console for those of you who don't know. I I desired, I coveted one of these things more than anything else. Every time we went to the mall, I would stop at the toy store and I would begin my thinking about this thing. I memorized the dimensions of the box this thing came in. And so on Christmas, when I saw a box of the exact same dimensions by the Christmas tree, the wrapping paper was useless. I knew what was inside that box as I tore it open. Uh, There it was, the the desire of my heart, the, 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 the thing that I coveted most. Uh, By the end of the night, I not only had the game console, but I had uh, three games. Do you know how long three games will last a kid? Four days. Uh, about four days. So I, I got through these games and I played them as fast as I could. And then, and then I went over to my friend Dave's house and, and, and Dave had about eight games. I mean, I, and I was like, I really want those other, you know, games that he's got there. And by, by the end of February, I had saved enough of my birthday money and gifts that I, I too had like five games by this time. But, but that doesn't last real long at all. And so up here in the north side of Fargo, there began an underground economy of buying, selling, and trading. It was so profitable, it was only second in line to the economy that Hornbachers brings to this area. (laughs) All of that was fueled by children coveting the video games of their friends and their acquaintances. I don't remember what happened to that game console. I'm sure it found itself, it found its way to the Fargo dump eventually. But I still feel the strong echoes of desire and covetousness deep within my heart. Toys have just simply gotten bigger for that, for, that, for that person out there that has the Ford F-150 silver crew cab with the topper. I mean, you better make sure you're holding onto those keys pretty tight. I want it. I want it bad. 
Think about that. What are all those things that you desire, all those things that you want, that you begin to secretly want and not so secret? That, that coveting, it's a disease with an unsatiable appetite. You see, you can feed the desire with what you covet, and it just breeds more want and, and more coveting. And what I've found within my own soul is this, that coveting begets a sour, ungrateful, unthankful heart. It, it, it creates a scheming mind and untrustworthy hands. That is why our Heavenly Father gives us these two commandments to warn us away from such unholy desire for an orderly society. It needs to keep covetousness in check. It helps us stop stealing and helps us stop adultery. It helps us stop broken families. It helps us stop shattered relationships and suspicious minds. But of all the commandments, I find these two to be simply this, matters of the heart right off the bat. It clearly points that coveting has ruined the human heart and the human condition. I once saw a family get in a feud over a will, over an estate. The, the feud lasted for the better part of a generation. It ripped a family apart. Jesus, in today's gospel lesson, he speaks into such situations of wills and estates of greed and coveting. The story begins pretty simply. Uh, 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 Jesus has been doing what rabbis do. He has been teaching. He has been out healing. He has been with the crowds and people are following him. And one particular person indeed sees him as a rabbi. It was commonplace to my understanding for rabbis to settle such disputes in families. And so a man comes up to him and says, man, tell my brother and teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But Jesus doesn't go there. You know, what, one of the interesting things is from time to time, um, people will come to me and say something along the lines of, Pastor, will, will you help fix my family? Pastor, would you tell my wife to do... Mm-mm. Not going there. Uh, Jesus, he puts up his hands and it's like, man, I'm not going there. And then Jesus begins going to where the problem is. Not with the brother, but with the human heart, with the man's own heart. Man, who appointed me a judge or arbiter between you? And then he said to them, watch out and be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And then Jesus begins to tell him a story, a parable. One that gets very close to each and every person's lives who hears it. As you listen to the story, you could count the number of times the man refers to himself in the first person, and you would count to the number 11. 11 times in this short story, the man thinks of himself and his own situation. He is indeed selfish. Jesus told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. You know what's also important about that particular line? This rich man did nothing. The ground 
did all the work. The ground did all the work. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones and there I'll store my surplus grain and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God, but God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And Jesus says these words to end the story. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves and is not rich toward God. This parable, this story is about greed run run amok. It's about self-centeredness and love of oneself over everyone else. It's also about the truth that greed and self-centered love will get you nowhere. More than 30 years ago, I remember seeing a t-shirt that read this line, he who dies with the most toys wins. To which a few weeks later, another student in my class wore an even more snarky and truthful shirt that said, he who dies with the most toys still dies. How do you and I keep covetousness and greed and unholy desire in check? I think it comes down to this simple Truth. Run the other way. Run the other way. Do a 180 degree turn and run instead of desire. Stop, pause, give God thanks and praise for what you already have. It will change your heart from being sour to being grateful. I'll be honest with you, there's a store in this town that I love. I love the owners. I love the, 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 the business model. I love what they have in it. And when I go in there, I have to be careful because I want everything in that store. And I can get pretty sour about people leaving with stuff that I don't yet have. And so this is one of the practices that I've learned before I go in there to get my stuff. When you're still in the parking lot, turn off the engine to the car. Take 30 seconds. And pause. And give thanks for daily bread. For house and home. For family. And for all that we need for our daily living. See, that's the rest of the story. Jesus might have ended the parable, but he didn't end his teaching. 
I want to read to you how Jesus continues to teach his disciples how to live in a world where coveting is still there. It's still within our hearts. These are the words that Jesus continues to teach those who will listen to him. And then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life and what you will eat or, 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 or about your body and what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens, they do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than the birds? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this one little thing, why do you worry about all of the rest? That's the first part, don't worry. Let the anxiety of not having stuff and things, let that go and trust in the God who created you, the God who is yet providing for your daily needs. Consider, move this to a matter of your mind that's working and asking questions. Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon, for those of you who need to be reminded, Solomon was a king of Israel a man of immense wealth. Yet not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. This is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and gone tomorrow and then thrown into the fire. How much more will God clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you'll eat or drink and do not worry about it. For the pagans run after such things, and your father knows that you need them, but seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Run the other way, and seek the kingdom of God, and not the kingdom of this world. Do not be afraid, little flock. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. He's already given you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Practice this radical generosity. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is. There your heart will be also. Ambrose of Milan, one of the early church fathers, the early thinkers and leaders of the Christian church, he wrote these words. He wrote these words of the rich farmer, the rich fool. He was planning to fill his soul with excessive and unnecessary feasting and was proudly disregarding all those empty bellies of the poor, he did not realize the bellies of the poor are much safer storerooms than his barns. Folks, let us live lives not of coveting and unholy desire, but let us live lives of praise and thanksgiving to the one who has shown us holy, generosity. 
You see, it is the generosity of our Father in heaven that has saved you. No matter how much we try to run away, there will always be that thing that tethers us to covetousness and sin. But it is the generosity of the Father that sets you and and me free. In John 3, it reads like this, for God so loved the world that he gave, he gave, he gave his one and only Son, not just some of what he had, but he gave you and me everything so that all who believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God in Jesus Christ gave you and me everything, the very kingdom of God. And Jesus, he showed us that love by giving us everything. He he gave up heaven to live amongst you and me. And not only did he give up heaven, but he gave up his life here. He died on a cross to bear your sin and my sin so that the love and generosity of God would be poured out upon all humankind so that we might have an everlasting relationship with the God who created us and loves us and desires you and me to be with him forever. Generosity and thanksgiving that we show and demonstrate in our own lives will point others to God's love. Many weeks ago now, an earthquake struck Syria and Turkey, and it's an incredible, terrible humanitarian disaster where tens of thousands of people have perished. The Christians over there are trying to lead a witness to show people who Jesus is and to show people God's love as they address this tragedy. And they're very clear about it. That it will be through their generosity in which people will come to know God. One of the church elders over there by the name of Ilya Suliar, an elder in the Protestant Church Foundation, he spoke these words to a reporter says, when we lay down our lives and ask nothing in return, when we lay down our lives and ask nothing in return, people become curious. And they will ask, where does this love come from? And it's through generosity and an outward love, people will come to know the outward love of God and Jesus. My wife was having a conversation with a senior pastor of another church here in the Fargo-Moorhead area. And the pastor said these words to her, I am so thankful that Hope Lutheran Church is starting a third campus. Wow. 
I'm so thankful that Hope Lutheran Church is starting a, a third campus here in the Fargo-Moorhead area. You see, in Fargo, we're expecting a, 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 about 100,000 more people over the next few decades to come into Fargo, and we need churches like Hope Lutheran Church. We, we, we need a congregation where, where, where I hear all the good that Hope does to influence this area. We need more hope through the generosity of her people here in the Fargo-Moorhead area. Folks, through your generosity over the past many decades, people have been inspired to know and to believe and to trust in the one who has given us everything and the one whose name is Jesus. And for that, I give you thanks as we together give God praise. Amen. Let's pray. God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you and I praise you for who you are and what you have done through your death and through your resurrection. Dearest Jesus, walk with us through, the, through your promised Holy Spirit that we might invite people to know your love and to know the hope that it brings. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.